Hi everyone, I'm so pumped again today. I've got uh, John Cunningham from Cunningham's Property who I've waited for about six weeks to get on video and we're here in uh, Liverpool Street at uh, News Australia's office and we're gonna find out about his business. Um, we're gonna find out the strategies and tactics that make this one of the greatest businesses in Australia and most interesting, um, we're talking about five people that have started and left the business in 22 years. This is a business that must have a strong culture and high productivity because some of those numbers um, that John's spoken to me about are extraordinary, like minimum numbers, 350 um, per salesperson, and there's people there uh, riding in excess of a million dollars. John, welcome. Thanks, Tom, appreciate it, thank you. Thank you for coming in. Um, John, I, there's, there's 16,000 potential people uh, watching this from all over Australia. So no pressure, is that what you're No saying? pressure, no pressure. <laughs> okay, well, this is gonna be a pretty raw interview. Um, and John is, uh, is, is very good at talking. I heard him speak at the Real Estate Institute uh, once about auctions, and that's what uh, definitely got me to think, I've gotta get this guy in. His content was outstanding on auctions and price guides. But today we're gonna to talk more about your business, it's been going for 22 years? 22 years, yeah, we started in 91. Okay, for the people um, outside of Sydney uh, that are watching, tell us the background to Cunningham's property and your background in real estate. Sure, look, I started off, um, property was in the blood, uh, not from a family, but I, I, was a, I was a frustrated architect at eight years old, so I knew that property was gonna be my, my direction. Um, but like a lot of real estate agents, I didn't do so well at school, I didn't apply myself, I was easily distracted. And um, so after school, I, I went to do a valuation course. So I'm, I'm a registered valuer. Uh, and from there, I went into property management. Uh, and uh, it was funny, my first real estate job was, uh, I was working two years in property management. I turned to my boss at the time and said, look, you've been through three salespeople in the last two years and not one of them sold a single property. And I don't understand. I said, I can do better than that. He said, okay, here's the book, off you go. So that was my start. Um, I didn't know what I was doing, I had no idea. All I knew was that there were people and there were houses and we had to match the two together. Yeah. My first month I sold four properties um, and uh, then I figured out that I could make more money by listing my own properties. And I had all these people selling private sales, so I went up and uh, rang them up and said, if I can add my commission to your price, you're happy for me to sell them? And I, they said, sure. So I started selling those and I thought, this is uh, an interesting game. I think my first year in real estate, I earned more than my father earned. And, um, in fact, I think it was almost double. Uh, so it was an extraordinary experience and, and, uh, and off we went. So I, I, had a, I got poached by a few agents over that time and uh, finally found a home which was really appropriate for me. I was there 10 years and when I decided that I really wanted to do my own thing. I'm myself and my wife Anne, Anne's background's teaching. Uh, we both felt that this could be done so much better. You know, it, it, was, it was back in the days when vendors were treated like mushrooms, stick them in a box and dark in a cupboard and leave them alone. And we just took a very different approach. We started that business in 91 and, uh, and haven't looked back. So it was, and I think it was mainly because singularly of our client focus. Okay, and it's in the same suburb now as it was in 91? Yep, it's actually next door to where we opened the business. Okay. Uh, so we've, uh, we've recently bought uh, new premises, uh, expanded the business, and uh, it happens to be right next door to where we started. John, I have different stories from people that open up businesses. Some people say it takes ages to make a profit and to get going, like years. Others say that um, it was pretty good from the outset. Which category did you fall into? 
Look, we took off with a lot of hard work um, and a lot of dedication, and for us it just took off straight away. Um, I think we took a, a totally different approach to the market. We, we, we created what we call a partnership plan with our clients, which was very much keeping them in the light rather than in the dark. Um, and it was a very consultative approach, uh, and I think that gave them a great experience. You know, that experience just then flourished throughout the marketplace. People heard about what we were doing. Uh, and back in those days, there was no social media or, or internet, and it was just all word of mouth. So for us, it was it was off we went. A, a you know, massive amount of dedication. I mean, our kids were up there at school after hours. We used to put uh, stick photos on brochures before anyone knew what a colour photo on a brochure was. We were doing floor plans of properties in 91 for all our properties. We were putting big laminated blow-up photographs, colour photographs on signboards in 1992. Um, and uh, creating a whole different vibe about the way that you marketed property. Yeah. And uh, I think that momentum, um, that innovation, all those things that we did, uh, and, and the way that we treated our clients, um, you know, we treated them with respect, we gave them a lot of information, we helped them make good decisions. And it's interesting, we were doing that back in 91, and this is what everyone's talking about today. You know, to me it was just common sense. Okay, so that's, um, I mean, a lot of the things you're talking about now are becoming um, accepted as it's, it's normal business, mm. but we're talking about something over 20 years ago, so this was like um, chalk and cheese versus oh, others. Absolutely. It was, it was, you know, we, we see that our business has been an evolution, but that was a revolution. And uh, I remember getting up at, uh, we joined the professionals when we started our business, it was just one of those things, a bit of a crutch thing. Um, and we, I spoke at a conference uh, about a year after we joined, and, and the things that I was saying, people were going, oh my God, you're kidding, you actually ring your vendors every day. Right. You, know, you actually meet them on a, on a regular basis. You know, this is sort of unheard of stuff. Um, we, do, we were doing weekly reports, we, we were doing pre-listing kits in 1991. Um, and so all this stuff to us was just the way that we saw the business should be done. And uh, it's, it's obviously taken a long time for those things to, to catch on, but I think that's been the cornerstone of our business is constant innovation. So you, the business has evolved and it hasn't just sort of um, skyrocketed in a short period of time. It's been gradually getting bigger and bigger. Today it's a very successful business. Um, you've got how many salespeople there? We've got 10 salespeople. We've got five in, in pods um, uh, or super teams, depending on how you put them. Uh, one guy's got three people, uh, and we're, that's that's the area that we're focusing on now. Right. Um, in terms of putting more salespeople, and it's actually building the pods right. uh, in, a, in a different way, uh, and very much based on on the way Marshall White did it in, in Melbourne. Okay, so um, for our viewers, a pod is basically a salesperson with a couple of assistants. Yeah, is we it? we call it the lead agent, yeah. and then the associates. The associates can be either a buyers-based agent, so not a buyers representative, but right. a person looking after the buyers, yeah. and then an administration person. That's the, the prime way of, of doing okay. it. Uh, and uh, we've got our, Andrew and our team is called they're called the A team, and uh, you know they're they're the good guys. There's three guys in the pod, which is quite interesting. Normally you'd have a bit of a female mix, but. They're the testosterone guys, but it works. It works brilliantly. You know the energy that, that goes with that, and, and the way that Andrew can perform. Right. Um, he focuses on what exactly he does best, and his two assistants, Ben and Liam, are, uh, are helping out on that side. So people watching this, a lot of them are writing two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year. To them, the concept of a pod is that they've got to spend money and bring in a assistant or two assistants. Um, I presume the lead agent funds those, Three. yeah. Um, 
as a leader of that business, John, at what point do you encourage people to make the shift and invest in growing their business to, a, to be a pond? Look, I think there's two, two components to that. Obviously, one's the GCI, what they're, they're grossing, um, to make it that affordable. Uh, and uh, we uh, certainly assist them in, with their first assistant. We, we actually provide well, a quarter of their first year's salary to, for that assistant. Uh, and that's a sort of an enticement to get involved and, and do it. Uh, and, but it's more about the agent being ready to do it. Now, I believe an agent's not ready to do it unless they can do everything themselves. Right. A little bit different to what some people think. But unless you can fit into those shoes, yep. and an assistant is not someone who's there to do the stuff that you're already doing there, to assist you in, being, in making sure you're at your best. So if you're best at being with people and you're best at face-to-face -face and you're best on the phone, make sure you do that. But if you can't do all the other things that go with the administration, check the ads, uh, set up a sales advice, do an MA, um, how on earth are you going to make sure that person that, that you're employing is able to do that? Okay, so that's to me a very important um, observation and comment you made. Essentially what you're saying is don't outsource something that you don't know about because you still need to keep that person accountable and instruct yes. them on how to do it. Exactly. They have holidays, they get sick, yeah. uh, and then it's, ah, you know, what am I going to do? Um, and so you've got to keep your hand in It's like anything, you know, you... you People say to me, why do you, you've been in the industry 35 years, 36 years, why do you keep going on to conferences? And, and you never stop learning. You know, as soon as you become the learned and think you know everything, everyone's just going to pass you by. So, you know, the future's in the hands of the learner. Okay. Let me ask you, um, you've got an attraction business model. People know your business. People call your business. Um, what has made it an attraction business model? Um, you're independent, so you stand out. Yep. Um, has that been a strategy? Uh, what are the elements and enablers that make it an attraction business? It's a good question, Tom, because we've always felt that that's what it's, it needed to be. Your brand has to be an attraction brand, yeah. and your people have to be an have to be attraction people. But they've got to be synonymous. You know, we've tried to create a business where our people and our brand are synonymous, so they, they go hand in hand. They're not two separate entities; they're they're one. Uh, and part of that's what we call our community brand integration. Our, our brand is very much embedded in the community we work in. We do a lot of uh, charitable works, as you know, and a lot of support for our, our community in a very visible way. Uh, so people see that, and, and that's an element that goes that we're just not your average real estate agent. We're actually right. giving back and, and participating, and that's a really important thing. Like on the weekend, we had a, our local surf club, Queenscliff, uh, had a big carnival on the Saturday and a big swim for, for one of the uh, young guys that died up in uh, Queensland national titles a couple of years ago. Um, and they do a memorial swim every year. So we, we were down there on the beach um, with Mandy the barbecue, selling the bacon and eggs and sausage rolls and, and all that sort of stuff on the two days. And we had a roster system with the team um, going down there. Uh, we had the big marquee up and it's quite visible. But we're integrated into that environment. So people see that as not just here's a check, hand over and, and thank you very much. We're involved in, in, in what goes on in that environment. and. Um, I think that's something that, that is a completely different way of looking at things. Um, you know, one of a couple of our guys coach junior rugby club that we uh, that we sponsor. So not only is it our name on the on the jerseys and on the shed, those guys are out there on a Thursday night and a and a um, Sunday with those kids coaching and, and getting them to the point. So so you're essentially saying to me is you're not you're not buying this attraction 
model, you're earning it because that's work. It's work to do that. Yeah. You've got to, that's yeah. work doing all those Absolutely. things. It's not writing a check out. No. That's part of it. It's part of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so there's a another big fair coming up. We're going to be down there, Manny, helping the guys do stuff and, and physically doing things. Um, so I think it is. It's a bit of an earning, um, but it's an interesting thing. I, I really believe in reciprocity, where you know you you put stuff in yeah. without without thinking any about what you're going to get back out of it, right? But as you know, it does. It comes back. Yeah. Uh, so we've always been that way. It's, it's been in our blood, um, and I think in terms of the culture of our business, we've tried to instill that in the guys. And, and the people we bring into the business, and you mentioned earlier about very few people have left us, um, people love coming to work. You know, We've created a, a culture and an environment where people love coming to work. We've created a performance culture where people uh, are happy to compete with each other, but also happy to help each other. So it's a very different environment to that dog-eat-dog dog real estate world. Well, let's talk about that, because I know real estate officers that have had five people leave their office this year, right? So you've had five people leaving in 22 years. That's salespeople, yeah. Salespeople. Yeah. Why, what is, if you had to put the, if we use the word culture, or we call it the personality of Cunningham's property, why is it that people like to come to work? Why is it that so few actually leave as a salesperson and join another office or, or, or move on? What, what's the reason, you think? You know, it's, it's interesting because the, of the people that have left us, only two people, actually only one person is still in the industry. Um, uh, one started her own business and it failed after 12 months. Um, and other people have just left the industry. Um, so for us, I think it's, it's making sure we get the right people on in the first place. So I've only ever taken on one person that's been in the industry before. Right. So um, I'd much prefer to bring people in and, and create what we need them to be, but it's got to be in them already. So we, we basically hire on attitude, and then we can we can uh, train and and, uh, and get them to where we need them to be. Um, so positive attitude is the number one thing. And I think there's a positivity about our environment. Uh, leadership obviously is, is critical to that. Um, I, I think uh, was it you? Yeah, Chief Energy Officer um, up at Queensland that came out of your your talk and. Um, that really resonated with me, and I told the team about that. I said, "Yeah, that's what you are. You're a yeah, chief energy officer. If I'm not up here, yeah, everyone will be down." Do you, your, your role in the business now, John, is um, you're the CEO of that business. You run it. What's your main contribution? Do you do listings? Do you do sales? It's a good question because I, I've been transitioning. I, I talked about evolution earlier, and that's yeah. very much what my role has been as well. So I, I looked at myself as captain, coach, leading try scorer up until 2006. And in 2006, um, I made a decision that I needed to, actually probably about 2005, I really made the decision. I knew from about two, uh, 2003 that I had to do something. and uh, It couldn't all be about me anymore. Uh, and I was holding people back. Uh, so I made a decision to exit myself out of sales over a period of time. I probably started that in 2004, five, and by seven, I was out. Uh, and you so you're no longer the leading try scorer. Correct, correct. I mean, I saw a lot of clients that come to me, and I and I move farm that out to the appropriate people. I get involved to a certain extent. Um, I recently sold my my architect's home, and uh, he had this is his uh, second deal with us, and uh, he dealt with another one of our our agents, Georgie, um, who was I considered him now her client, uh, but I was involved, and and it was critical that I was involved in that. And I actually enjoyed it, it was really good. I got, did the opens and, and uh, I get out there and do those opens every day just to show guys, you know, this is, you know, if you fall off the standards, we've got to bring up the standards. We're very strict on the, on the standards, as strict as you can possibly be. Yeah. You can't be everywhere. 
Um, but you know that was a great experience to go out there and, and do that again. I've actually just done another one on the weekend for an old client. This is a sixth property we've sold for him, and I uh, had Andrew look after him. Um, he said, John, I'd love you to just you know keep an eye on it. So I went along with the first open, um, and I, and I loved it too. I watched the energy of, of Andrew's team work that open, uh, and my contribution was was strong as well. Uh, cut a long story short, we opened it on Saturday exchange yesterday, two hundred thousand more than we expected. Um, and uh, a, you know, a, a great experience, great testimony from the buyer and the seller on the same day. Um, and um, you know, interestingly enough, uh, you know, that involvement that I had really had not, very little to do with the outcome of the sale. Andrew did the whole, the whole thing. Uh, but it just gave the confidence to that seller. So I think I like to work on what I call the pointy end. The pointy yeah. end is, is, is the clients um, getting the guys to perform at their absolute peak. Yeah. Um, and when I did that back in 2006-07, um, our business took off another level. Uh, and in fact, we had some guys in our team that doubled their turnover in those in that year. Um, and it was due to me empowering them. I think is probably the best way to say uh, to perform at a higher level. Uh, it was also coincided when we joined uh, the Real Estate Results Network because that gave us a level of training um, and understanding uh, that. I already knew about, but it was so hard being a profit in your own land. You know, you try to teach the guys stuff. As soon as they get it from another angle, yeah. hear it from you or hear it from Michael, yeah. it's like, oh wow. And it's like, yeah, you know, we've been talking about this for years. But it worked. And and it, it took everyone to know they just I was able to feed them the leads, they were actually able to do the best with those. They were actually do more than I could because the amount of business I was getting, I couldn't service it properly. Right. Uh, and run the business. So the difference now is that I can run the business really well. I can uh, mentor, nurture, empower the team, and lead the team, by example, to a certain extent, um, to perform at very high levels. Okay, want to ask you, uh, most of the people that are sitting watching this are people that aren't principals. They're actually sales agents. And there are sales agents here that are watching it that are writing two or three hundred grand a year in gross commission income, which is pretty much not done in your office. You don't have that level. Um, and there are people that are writing five hundred thousand to a million dollars. In your time that you've been working in real estate, from your own experience as an agent selling, and also in hiring and all the seminars and all the people that you've attended and met. Can you tell me what are what are the top three tips that you can give that you've seen common denominators of good salespeople? Yep. Have, have you been able to see? Yeah, look, it's 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 really interesting because they are definitely common denominators. And obviously, the first thing is good communicator. You know, you you've got to be able to um, apply a common sense to communication. You know, you, you've got to meet someone, read that person, and know how to what to do next. Uh, if you go into autopilot, I've never seen a really autopilot agent become super successful. You know, it's like any scripts and dialogues you can learn. You put them in the toolkit and you pull them out as you as you need them. So a great communicator who understands that every single person they meet has a purpose in their business. Until they get that part of it, they will never succeed. Now, James Tostevin is a great example of that. You know, James just understands that probably better than anyone. And there's a lot of people, Matt Steinway and so on, they're, they're out there, you, you, you know them all. Yeah. And that common denominator is they see a person, they see that person as a purpose in their business. Now whatever that purpose is, they've got to discover. So I see that good agents understand that we're in the discovery and the delivery business. 
in the middle there's there's sort of a, what I call directory as well. So there's these three Ds. You once you discover what what that person needs, uh, you're able to direct them in the right direction, and then you're able to deliver. So once you get that understanding, um, your business will will flourish because every single person that you meet um, has a real estate need, and uh, whether that's a referral to someone else, whether that's as a buyer, whether that's as a seller, as a hot buyer, cool seller, cold seller, whatever they may be, they have a purpose, and you've got to get them into your system. Okay, so. Um, I'll just recap on that because I think it's pretty important. Discover, direct, direct, deliver, and deliver. Um, in other uh, language, or trying to explain that, what you're saying is find out what's going behind those eyes. What is that person in need of? Yep. Uh, then um, actually lead them to a solution and then I suppose what I'm hearing you saying is provide an answer where they don't have to say, don't make me think, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't make me yeah. think, make it easy for me. Exactly, because in that middle bit, to me, is where it's, where it's all about. Unless you, if, you, if you're poor at discovery, you'll never get to the, the direction. The direction is the influencing, yeah. which is what we're in, the influencing business. So we're here to influence people to make good decisions. And that's as equal of importance with the seller as it is with the buyer. And that example that I gave you of that sale yesterday, um, where you've got a happy seller and a happy buyer um, and, a, and a massive outcome, is that that buyer had an experience, and, it, and it's what it comes down to. It all comes down to how I make that client feel, whether that's a buyer or a seller. How do they feel? Because how they feel will determine how much they're prepared to pay, how much they're prepared to listen, how much they're prepared to enable you to influence them. So we call it creating the environment where deals happen. And it comes down to all those, those three things being in place, and that middle bit, that influencing, um, comes spits out at the end um, as the experience. So we've found, and we, we get a lot of reviews from clients. We, 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 it's, it's almost uh, unusual for us not to get one. Right. Um, and what I, I love about them is, is reading about all the little things we do, um, whether it be the, the associate that did this, whether it be the, the marketing person that did that, whether it be the phone call from me when, when we just properly welcome them on board or the phone call from me welcoming, uh, congratulating them on the sale or, or a nurture call that was required in the middle there. All these things that were unexpected, all these things they, 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 they got a surprise with. Uh, and we've developed this all around our, um, what we call the Cunningham's way. You know, there's a lot of different ways. There's the McGrath way, there's the Marshall White way, there's all these ways. And our way, is, is very much what we call connected moments. It's all these little moments you have with the client, all the little touch points that you have, and each one uh, is connected, and each one has as much meaning as the next. And when an agent, as we go back to the original question, I've probably taken a bit of a no, tangent no, no, here, no, but, that's interesting. but for a good agent, a good agent's got to understand those things. You've got to understand that, okay, I'm a great communicator, and I'm a great influencer, but all these moments that I have to link up, and all those touch points spit out the end with, with a, a client, as you said earlier, what do you think I should do? You know, and, and that's that's the, the clear sign of a, mm. of a great agent. I mean, to me, you're saying the little things in a business relationship are, in fact, the big things. Correct. That's what that the, from little things, big things grow? Yeah. That's what it is. Can I ask you, that thing about communication, because we're still talking, we, we've talked about what's the most important, we've come up with communication. Is that learnt? Is that natural? Is that something that people will go off and train? What's your feeling? Do people, are people born that way? Look, there are some people that are born that way. You, someone like Chris Gilmore, for example, he's a natural communicator. You know, the, the guy's just, that's what he does. 
always has. And you, and you can meet the guy at Harvey Norman or wherever he's the natural communicator. But do they have disciplines? Because unless you've got disciplines to, to go with it, you're not going to make the 100, 150, 200 calls that you need to make. You can be a great communicator, but you can be a lazy communicator. So um, in terms of the learnt bit of communication, if you've got disciplines, I think you can learn communication without, without doubt. Uh, because you you know that this is a numbers game. This is you know the more you do, the more you get. The more you learn, the more you earn. Whatever it may be, that is critical. The numbers have got to go through. So I think again, attitude is the key. So if you get the right attitude with a person, it's a positivity, and then the disciplines. Everything else can be taught. All right. So communication very important key point of the thing here that John said is a great communicator, but you can be a great communicator, but no one knows about you because yeah. you're lazy yeah. and you're not talking to people. So it's not, not it's not just about the thing, it's about having reach um, and reaching a lot of people, which is discipline to talking to people. Um, other things that you've seen in the top people? Yeah, look, I think that they, they understand the, the, the fact that this, this is numbers and, and they also do very much time blocking. So without time blocking, you're gonna become inefficient. Right. So a great salesperson is efficient with their time, and the more efficient they are, the more effective they are. So you know you could have someone who uh, who has a strike rate of ninety percent, for example, but they're lazy. When when they're in the zone, they're fantastic, but they're lazy. And then you get that person that has a fifty percent strike rate, but he's disciplined, and that person will potentially win far more business over time uh, because of the disciplines rather than than their necessarily their skills because frequency builds trust. So a good agent understands that frequency builds trust. But they also have to have very deep down an understanding of what their, what their purpose is. Now, unless they understand why they're doing what they're doing, uh, they can certainly tell people what they're going to do, but unless you understand why you're doing it, one, and are able to articulate that to your client, um, it's a very hollow relationship. And I think, again, the successful people understand that. And on the flip side, those people that sort of come up and, and can go like this and then go like that uh, because they're, they're running on bravado, they're running on, on an energy that doesn't have any substance. It's like the petrol runs out of the tank and there's nothing behind it. Um, and particularly you see that happening when markets change. Mm. Um, so these people that were here are gone. Um, and that's why we love tough markets. You know, last year was a phenomenal year for us um, because we relished in it. Everyone was going, oh, and we thought, fantastic, rub our hands together and get in there and get stuck in it because it, it, it's when the best agents come before in tough markets. Okay, so what we're going to do is in the next session um, of our video, we're going to actually look in at some of those behaviours that helped you win market share, John, in a marketplace that had less sales, had less buyer energy, and what you did to win market share. Uh, we'll see you in the next video.